Are you ready? Are you ready? Welcome to the first episode of the Coach's Lounge. Guys, we are so excited for this very first episode because there's so many things that the general public just doesn't know about. And, and let's be honest, the coach's office is a circus. It's one extreme or the other. It's either a crazy mess of coaches running around trying to get stuff done immediately, fast, yesterday, as soon as possible for everybody but themselves a lot of times. Or it's them sitting back with some extra time to kill and decompressing by just telling amazing stories and laughing their absolute heads off. But the last year or so, I think it's fair to say if we all want to get away a little bit, right? And there's no better way to do that than with a little bit of laughter. Well, there's a very few people that can make you laugh like coaches. So we're really excited to bring this very first episode to you with two people that will definitely make you laugh. Coach Dick Olin. Coach Chris Massey, we couldn't think of any better guys to have to start this thing off. In fact, it's so good that we're going to go ahead and cut it into two pieces because there was so much stuff, we didn't want to cut any out. So thank you to Level Up CBD for sponsoring the first episode of this great podcast. We're excited for the adventure. And uh, without any further ado, enjoy the inaugural episode of The Coach's Lounge. Welcome to the Coach's Lounge Podcast, dedicated to the experiences from the real coaches' offices around the country. These are the great stories we love to share and hear from the gridiron, court, and fields across America. Now, join coaches Kevin Flanagan and Matt Marshall as they open the lounge now. Coach, we are back. We're back, back back in the coach's lounge. You let me back again. No, thank you for leaving the door unlocked for me because we've got a couple legends. And for what I've told, they are legendary storytellers and their <laughs> library runs deep, apparently. <laughs> Not enough tape on there. I question their definition of legend, though. Yeah, no question. <laughs> I mean, how do you spell that? I just want to know when what, what makes Google. you a legend? <laughs> Is it because you're so fucking old? <laughs> I mean, what exactly does that mean? I've never understood that. Oh, I'll go yeah. back and ask the people who use the term. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to credit anybody. So, coach, you want to you want to take the honors? Yeah, I, I mean, I can't. Uh, I'll eat up all the time, but I'm just going to briefly uh, just kind of introduce uh, that Dick Olin. Who is a and he is a legend. He he is uh, he wouldn't admit it, but he is uh, definitely a legend in coaching. And uh, one of the he brought seven on seven to the state of Texas, among many other things. And I'm sure we'll talk about. It. He had a run of quarterbacks, and I'm just kind of throwing some highlights in there. But a run of quarterbacks, probably no other coach in the state of Texas has ever had. He was he was slinging it around when everybody else was pounding it and just grounding it out and all that stuff so coach he's, the uh, look that he just gave you when you said he was slinging it around he looked very proud, <laughs> he very proud. yeah there's a lot slinging not just footballs <laughs> but that too <laughs> fortunately i lived up to my first name dick <laughs> that's how i was named i mean when i came out the doctor said oh my god what a dick and so <laughs> That was my name from that point forward. And no one knows that, but I just thought I'd share it with your podcast. No, thank you for that. I, uh -huh. I, I feel like we're a family. It's just yeah, a we are. We're just talking. Yeah. Only now, my staff knows that. Well, and our four listeners. Yeah, that's well, true. Yeah. <laughs> They're all in our own coach's office. Yeah. Wow. 
And then we've got Chris Massey, who uh, Chris and I have known each other for a long time. And uh, just I've always respected uh, where he came from and backgrounds from GA. And uh, he's been a head coach a lot of places or several places. And but uh, won state championships and just uh, been been a mentor, whether he knows it or not, in a lot of ways. And I've always looked up to him and uh, been on a lot of boards as well. Both both these guys, both y'all been on boards for the GF, GHFCA, the Texas, uh, the THSCA, the Texas High School Coach Association, many, many others. So um, anyway, that's uh, fortunate to have you guys. Appreciate you being here. Oh, thank you for having us. Thank you. We appreciate the invitation. Absolutely. Already, I could already tell we want them back in the lounge. It's I think it's pretty much a given that uh, – they're, they're, they might get their own chairs. I believe. Yeah, I think we should. I, Can I have my name on mine or not? No. Look at it engraved. Uh, well, no. I mean, it has to. I mean, it's kind of like a you know a hall of fame. There has to, everybody has a vote, and <laughs> I said no. <laughs> I guess that makes you. Let's see how it goes yeah. first. <laughs> so you want to give us each one of you guys give us a little rundown of you know just where you're coming from, what you've about, what you a little bit of your history and coaching stuff and. Your high points, your bullet points. And- well, let's see. <laughs> That's interesting. No, I went to uh, the University of Northern Iowa. It really wasn't that at that time. It was called State College of Iowa. But all my buddies said that. That's uh, they, how old yeah, They changed the name all the time because they're trying to stay ahead of NCAA accreditation because there's a bunch of dumbasses that went to that school. There were teachers. It was a teacher's school, coach's school. And the women that were there, they had two options, prostitution or teaching, and that was it. <laughs> and so... We, to, needless to say, there weren't always pretty ones there, but those that were, you know, that was fun. But I, I went there, I played quarterback there a long time ago, and I always tell everybody that Kirk Warner was the second best quarterback to come out of you and I. I was the best by far. And we didn't have records back then, you know. I mean, I mean, we had records, but nothing was kept. You know, like today you have all the beauty, you got all this stuff that you can save now. So I can lie and tell everybody whatever I was. And I always tell them I was an All-American, whether they believe it or not. And an All-American, by definition, is a guy who from America has been out of school, (laughs) a guy who's been out of school for over 10 years and over 100 miles away from home. So. I qualify for both of those. So I always said I was an All-American. But uh, yeah, then I went back to my high school coach, became a head coach at the age of 26. I found out that I had I, I had no questions. I had all the answers, right? When you first start out, I know what the hell's going on. And after you get your ass kicked, you go, wait a minute, maybe I don't know everything. And the longer I coach, the more questions you have. You never really have all the answers. So I did that. Then I was fortunate. I came to Texas in 83, singing I Saw the Light. And I went to Magnolia at that time, which was an armpit. And that's the truth. It was, it was, uh, they had just had a tax rollback. Do you know what that is? I, they I did away I with athletics. And I had just gotten hired. I went, oh, this is going to be fun. I'm down here with my family. No job. We just did away with sports. And then they reinstated football. We probably shouldn't have because we were 0-10. <laughs> it was probably a bad decision on the board's part. And we got our ass kicked. We played Willow Ridge when they had Thurman Thomas. I mean, he ran by me so fast on the sideline. I said, God, he could suck me in from just the draft. And the funny thing is that Thurman ran three plays on the, after the kickoff. The only thing we did was kick it out of the end zone. Thurman ran three plays, right? First one, he went like 80 yards. Second one, he goes like 70 yards. Third one, he goes like 60. So add that up, it's like 210 yards rushing, three touchdowns, right? 
none of them counted because there's a penalty on everyone. They'd bring it back. Thurman finally got in the end zone after the third one. He goes like this. He raises his hand. And so Thurman goes out, and the next guy comes in and runs the same play. They score. They beat us 70-7. to seven. We got a standing ovation when we scored. <laughs> and uh, that was a lot of fun. And Neil Quillen, you know, hi, Dick. You know, Neil talks kind of slow in that draw. He was a head coach. And uh, they pounded us. But, they, I mean, I had never seen players like that. Not on the high school level in Iowa. You know, we had a few. But not like that. My gosh, that was incredible. And so from there, I went to work at Lufkin with Pat Culpepper. I was the offense coordinator. Then I became the head coach at Aldine Eisenhower. Uh, I met my wife, and it was a tough decision. You know, either marry her, which at that time, she was really a good-looking woman, <laughs> and uh, or coach football at Eisenhower. And I kind of chose Eisenhower. I said, <laughs> you know, at first, I said, no, God, I got to have this woman. So I got married to her. And uh, that ended my opportunity to have my picture on the cover of Sports Illustrated because Ike really got good. And we won the first championship they'd ever won and got in the playoffs. And we were throwing it then, and which was a lot of fun. Then I went to Baytown Lee, and uh, we had some good players at Baytown Lee and some good quarterbacks. So that was basically it. I went to Louisville, and I coached for a hell of a long time. I got reassigned. That was a correct term for being fired my last year of coaching in high school. And nobody knows this, but I was about to really be a good coach again because Kyler Murray was our quarterback as a freshman. Yeah. And our freshmen were eight and one, and we beat the hell out of everybody. Except for one. One game, yeah, we lost. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, we still score a lot of points, but we just lost. Uh, but anyway, we were about to be good. Yeah, we were about to really be good again. And they called me and said, we're going to have to reassign you. And I started to laugh. I said, that means you're, I'm being fired, right? And they go, well, uh, yeah, pretty much. And I said, okay, why not just say that? What the hell? I mean, I'm old. I've been around the block. I know coaches get fired. So I, I went to uh, maintenance. And the funny story is Jim Stroud. Was, I, oh, he's dead, so I can mention him. <laughs> Jim Stroud was a head coach at Baytown Lee when I got there, and he went to maintenance. Then the other guy that was across the town at Robert or at Sterling, he went to maintenance. They resigned him to maintenance. So the maintenance guys came over and said, "You better keep winning because we don't have any more room and maintenance for fucking coaches. So just keep winning." And I went, "Oh, okay. Well, we're going to try." So anyway, I got that. And the thing that the last part about me, I got to coach at Stephen F. Austin. I was the OC. So my one claim to fame where the legendary status really comes in is uh, in my last year of coaching, I got fired twice, which is damn hard to do from <laughs> high school and then in college. And in college, what it was is they you could only have uh, seven coaches on the road. And I went home, came back, stopped, picked up a transcript. Well, that made me the eighth coach. So they said, we're going to have to let you go. And I said, oh, this is really nice. Thanks a lot. So, wow. But it was a lot of fun in college. Wow. I had a great time. I used to call him when he was a director of maintenance in Louisville and say, we need uh, cases of toilet paper <laughs> yeah. over here at the uh, elementary <laughs> school. <laughs> place. It was a lot of fun. It was a whole lot of fun, you know. But you know what? Those guys are great. Hell, they're good people. You know, and I had a lot of fun. I drove. I, I delivered mail. You know, I did all kinds of stuff. I just laughed. They said, well, coach, you want to do this? I said, well, hell yeah. I said, I'll do that. You know, I learned my first job when the principal picked up some debris that was left in the hallway. 
I mean, this is a guy in charge of the building and he's willing to do that. I said, why would I not do the same thing? Why would I not flush a toilet, right? That's another thing in coaching. God, you learn how to flush toilets. You learn how to clean up puke, right? Coach Flan says that all the time. Both well, you of those. do. I mean, pick you do. The, you can trash, put signs up that says yep. flush the urinal and those kids won't do it. They just kind of walk away and I'm going, I'd love to come to your that. house. He's talking about the coach's office. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. No. Not even the kids. He's no, talking that, about didn't happen. that didn't I, I happen. Can, I, I had staff meetings when I would, the first thing I would bring up, guys, I don't want to walk in there and have to flush the toilet that I didn't fill. Yeah. That's come on. Amazing. We are grown ass men. That's what, <laughs> hey, that's, he's got a great, grown ass men. That's his big thing. Grown ass men. There's a D in there. Yeah, yeah grown. Grown ass men. I'm a grown well, ass My man. wife will tell, well, she's going to do something. Tell me she's going to do something. And I'll tell her, you're a grown ass woman. Go do what you want to. Yeah, but no, no, that's bullshit what he just said. Here's what really happens. He said, I'm going to do this. And I told my wife, I'm a grown ass man. And you know, when By he's God. telling us, that's right. And when she's, she's not, not there. And when she's not in the room, when she's not in the room, I am a grown <laughs> ass man. That's exactly right. There ain't no way that he says that with her around. You know what I mean? That's pretty she much just kind of goes, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Married, right? yeah, no question. But that's, that's my stuff in a nutshell. And we were fortunate. We had seven D1 quarterbacks in a row. So we, we had some really good players there. And that's it. Welcome to the lounge. Well, thank you. It's good to be so here. So happy to it's have fun. you. Coach Massey? Well, I, I, I'm a coach's kid. I mean, I grew up, my dad was a high school coach for almost 30 years. And so, you know, I grew up in the field house. And until I retired three years ago, I didn't know anything different than life revolved around football season, you know. And, but I, I went to Aldean here in Houston area and uh, then went up to Texas A&M. Ran scout team quarterback up there for A&M for four years, uh, which was unique experience. And uh, left there and got the coaching in Sci-Fair High School with uh, Warren Trahan. And uh, we were all young coaches there then. And I remember one year the Houston Chronicle voted us the most animated sideline in the city of Houston. It's Cypher? Cypher High School, yes. Because apparent, well, you know, Warren played defensive tackle at AM. So he was like 6'5, 275. And he, he, we got a little animated on the sidelines. Well, our head basketball coach was always down on the sideline with us. And he was about 5'8 and maybe 160. Prototype basketball. No question. Yeah. But his job was to keep Warren off the field. The get back coach. Yeah. No, he was Warren's get back Warren's coach. Kid. Yeah, the head coach. Well, when Warren would get amped up and excited, uh, the basketball coach would go over and grab him by the back of his pants and try to pull him back. Well, you know, you got 270, 280 <laughs> pulling, trying to pull – get pulled back by a guy that weighed about a buck 60 and he ended up sometimes going off his feet just still <laughs> had a hold of Warren's pants and Warren's going around and he's flying around on the back trying to get him back he can't even get his feet back on the ground you know so I, I was there for uh, six years and then went back to A&M as a graduate assistant and uh, coached that 12th man kickoff team with all walk-ons which promise you every time you lined up to kick off uh, and you were the coach you were 
puckered up as it, you know. I mean, the first game of the year, we're playing LSU, and they got Harvey Williams back there from Hempstead, who led the nation in kickoff returns the year before. So I made the executive decision that we were not going to kick to Harvey. I mean, you know, that's that's Makes easy, sense. right? So uh, I'm telling all the guys, the kicker and the, and our players, which are all literally 10 walk-ons covering kickoffs. I said, if Harvey is deep left, we're kicking it deep right and squeezing the field and try to just cover two-thirds of the field. If Harvey's deep right, we're kicking it deep left. It's real simple, guys. He's number 22, and he's got a neck about a foot long. You can't miss it. Opening kickoff. Kick it right to him. So at a 12-man kickoff reunion about 15 years later, I find out all those walk-ons went out there and told the kicker, kick it to him. We're going to go blow his ass up. (laughs) So he kicked it to him. Right on our hash, you know, our home field, we were playing at Kyle Field, and here comes Harvey up the hash mark, and it looked like the Red Sea parted. And here he comes. And I'm in the press box sitting next to Lynn Amity, who's the offensive coordinator, and he's got on headphones, and I don't. And as Harvey is running up the hash, I can hear Coach Cheryl, Jackie Cheryl, down the sideline going, damn it, (laughs) (laughs) through Coach Amity's headphones. Well, we tackle him on about the 40, which – Totally unacceptable, right? So when he when when Jackie's yelling, damn it, over the headphones, Coach Amity pulls his headphones off and puts them on me and says, <laughs> Jackie wants to talk to you. <laughs> and, and I said, yes, sir. What the hell is going on? I said, Coach, Slater kicked it right to Harvey. We worked, we worked all week on not kicking it to him. And, and of course, I'm watching him from the press box down on the field as he's fixing to tear into my ass, right? And I tell him about Slater, our kicker, kicking it to Harvey. And I can see Jackie pulling the headphones off as he's taking them off. All I hear is, God dang it, Slater. And now he's hunting our kicker up <laughs> on the sideline. He went over there and ripped his ass on the sidelines. <laughs> Wow. And so that was, you know, kind of a uh, unique way to start off the season as the 12th man coach. <laughs> that wasn't so, the first year, though. No, it man, wasn't was the it? first year of the 12th man. It was the first year that first year I, for I you was to coaching. Be there, yeah. yeah. So then I left there and went to University of Florida for a year. And I lived in a three-bedroom apartment in the stadium, the swamp. I lived on the north end zone. And our offices were in the south end zone. So I, you know, just get up and walk from one end of the stadium to the other to the office. I lived there with another GA from uh from Florida. He was it was a pretty cool deal. Emmett Smith was our running back and we had some had some pretty good players there, you know. Uh, As a Georgia fan, I am obligated to say that I hope in one of those walks you tripped. On the way to work from your, well, I'm sure I did a couple as, times. As, 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 I wouldn't. I would be disowned as a Georgia fan <laughs> if I didn't do that. So then, from Florida, what happened? Well, I was there for a year and uh, got married, and uh, she didn't like being away from Texas. So I moved back to Texas, got a job at Conroe. I was there for seven years, coached 
the defensive side of the ball, was a defensive coordinator for a while. From there, the, the head coach that I worked for got let go. So, you know, when you're a coordinator, you're going to get let go too. Reassigned. That's, yeah, I, he got reassigned, yeah. Actually he, didn't even get the, actually, he didn't even get the option to go to the maintenance, maintenance? department. Oh, okay. He got well, the option to leave. <laughs> he really got fired. Yeah. If you get reassigned, you just go to maintenance. He right. got future endeavored. So, uh, honestly, it was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me because I was going to – I wanted to stay there because I had a daughter there and just – I didn't want to leave. But I ended up going to Katie. And was there for eight years. And it was an awesome opportunity there at Katy High School. Three state champs, right? Yes, sir. Three. From there, I got the head coaching job at Deer Park and was there 14 years and retired. And now I'm on a fixed income. <laughs> no, he's not. He's a money whore. <laughs> he has jobs all over. He works for Balfour. He's picking up shoulder pads. You know, come on, tell the truth. Well, and I he do, helps with the Bayou Bowl, too. I, I do help with the Bayou Bowl. Yeah. That's a non-paying gig. So No, but it's so much fun. It is fun. It is fun, especially when, you know, you got Dick Olin, Jim Creech, <laughs> Joe Sheffy, and myself. Oh. And the entire week, we argue and bitch at each other and <laughs> say, you don't work for me anymore. You go with him. I'll take him. <laughs> I'm, tired of, I'm tired, of, to say this I'm tired of your shit. I'm going to take him. <laughs> you go with him. And then the next day, it changes all again. So. You know, like I said a while ago, I, I didn't know any – there was a life other than football till three years ago. I mean – Pretty good life, though. It's, it, it's it is a good life. I mean, it really life. is. I mean, I, I enjoyed it, but I wanted to see if there were some other things out there to do. I, I think the things you miss the most is like you talked about the locker room, the camaraderie, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, being around the kids. And, uh, you know, sometimes now parents have got a little bit more crazy than they used to be. Uh, and you have all these uh, personal trainers and things and people telling them what they should do or shouldn't do and how good they can be and all of that stuff. And, uh, definitely, you know, it's just not, it's not always true. And trying to tell a dad that, you know, Hey, your son's just not quite as good as you thought. You know, sometimes they get a little excited about that. And, you know, I'm sure Kevin has experienced it. We all have at one time or, or the another. dad that comes in and tells you, I, you know, I've coached for 20 years. Really? <laughs> Where have you coached? Well, youth league, yeah. youth league football. So oh, I'm really? the guy in video that beat oh, that kid up. Oh, yeah. okay. Friday night tights. You've coached youth league <laughs> yeah. for 20 years. Really? That is awesome. I'll tell you. Well, maybe you should just come in and, uh, you know, we have a staff meeting in the morning. Come on in and tell us what we're doing wrong. Draw I think every stuff. coach wants to wants to in that situation. Well, here's the pen. Get on the board real yeah. quick. Let's just show me what you got. Well, I had a dad come to my office, want to know why I started this ninth grader in football on the varsity level. And his name is Drew Tate. And he said, why are you starting this kid? My son is a heck of a lot better. And he he's on and on and on. And he said, are you sleeping with a kid's mom? Is that the reason that the kid is playing? And I said, well, since you brought that up, yeah, I am. I'm sleeping with his mom all the time. I said, in fact, I have been for quite some time. And the guy said, coach, you can't say that. He said, I'm going to go to the board. I'm going to administration. I said, you probably need to do that. But I said, go ahead. I'm not going to stop sleeping with his mom. And this kid is still going to keep starting. And I said, let me tell you something. Just from the bottom of my heart, I want you to understand this. Sleeping with one of your players' moms is not a good thing, number one. And number two, especially if it's the quarterback's mom, because pillow talk is a hell of a lot different 
than what you would ever expect. And the guy said, well, coach, I still can't believe you're saying all those things. I said, let me tell you something. I said, his name is Drew Tate. I married his mom. I've been married to her for a hell of a long time. And I said, so I do sleep with her. And trust me, that ain't a benefit. Please understand. So, yeah, that's a, that's a true story. And then there's one other about his name. You know, when you have stepkids, you know, when Drew was in elementary, Drew is a pistol. I mean, anybody that knows Drew, he's a competitor and a pistol. And, you know, how we all have bad days every once in a while as campus coordinator you're dealing with. Now, soccer. Drew, or, Drew played at Iowa, and yeah. then he played at uh, he Canadian played, League. Canadian League. He, was yeah. in, he had, you know, on the NFL team, two NFL teams got released and played in Canada for 11. So, you know, at that time, he had all the passing records in the state of Texas. I mean, he was pretty good. Yeah, well, y'all are the only one throwing the ball. Well, I know. That's true. <laughs> That's true. And I mean, didn't have to point I mean I'm not out. saying Drew wasn't good, but damn. Yeah, you, I'm gonna, yeah that's a good story, too. But in, anyway, this he's in elementary, and I get a phone call from a, and a new assistant principal. And his name is Greg Lynn. I'll mention his name. Called me up, and he said, Coach Olin, uh, I have Drew Tate in my office. And he said, on this discipline referral, I'm supposed to call you. I said, I don't know why the heck you'd call me. I don't know who the hell Drew Tate is. Click, I hung up on him. <laughs> so then, you know, some of my coaches are in the office. They said, no, that's not very nice. So I said, okay, okay. So I called the guy back and I said, he's my son. What did he do? And the guy told me what he did. I said, okay, just put the board on him, send him back to class. But that's a true story oh, with Drew. Would you have called him back? If your other coaches had said, coach, no, no, no. <laughs> but you know what? The other thing is, too, is that uh, there were, I had to go send my trainer sometimes to go pick him up. Right? I call a junior. High, I said, go get Drew, you know, bring him over when he was in, in elementary and that because he was a terror. But uh, we started him. We should have started him sooner in football. We thought that would kind of tone him down a little bit, but it didn't. He's just a competitor. He's it was, it was really fun coaching him. He's a good thrower, good all those things. But. We had a lot of fun. And the thing, you know, when you talk about getting in trouble sometimes, you know, which I don't understand it. Sometimes I got in trouble. And uh, really, you don't understand why you got in trouble? <laughs> Being a calm person that I am. We, uh, we beat the Crosstown rival 63 to 7, and Drew had nine touchdown passes. And uh, afterwards, the uh, sports writer, he said, why did you keep your son in for the entire game? He threw nine touchdown passes. You beat him 63 to seven. That's with a continuous clock. We would have scored more if we could have. But uh, I said, well, I said, did you read the paper on Thursday night? And he goes, yeah, why? I wrote the column. And I said, okay, what did that coach say about my son? He said he was an average player and just a product of the system. So I said, okay, let's show him exactly how the system works. So that's what we did. Okay, Monday morning. Uh, Coach Olin, uh, this is such and such superintendent. I need to see in my office. So I had to go over and see the soup on that one. And she said, well, you know, crosstown rival, you shouldn't say those things. I said, here's the paper. This is what the guy said about my son. I said, that's not going to happen anytime at all. So he got to see how our system worked firsthand, and he got to see how good Drew actually was. And, you know, as I said, you know, the guy plays 11 years in Canada. There's what? There's eight teams in Canada, right? Eight, Thirty-two yeah. NFL teams. So there's forty teams, and he was a starter. So that's that's pretty good. That's great. Yeah, and that's he really started good. at Iowa and was the MVP. And he he beat loose uh, uh, Nick Saban in his last game. He coached at LSU in a Capital One game with that long touchdown pass. 
So it was a lot of fun. It was a great time. And the guy that worked for you, I'll tell you about him sometime. Whoa. Larry Haynes, he came with us. I, I oh, my goodness. You know, <laughs> if, we, you know, if we ran out of material, I always had that card to play. <laughs> hey, guys, quick question for you. Would you like to feel better? Want to sleep better? Less anxiety? You want your joints to feel better? If the answer is yes to any of these or yes to all of them, CBD is the way to go. Now, I know what you're thinking. It's not the same thing as what you were raised up on. It's not that hippie lettuce you always heard about from your parents and your teachers. CBD is a thing called cannabidiol. That is what's left when the THC, the stuff that gets you high, is removed. This stuff has tremendous healing properties and has an anti-inflammatory, along with the fighting of the stress and the anxiety. Basically, it's all the rage all over the world right now. I know you see all these rinky-dink CBD stores popping up all over the place right now. Trust me when I tell you, you do not want to go to those places to try out CBD. Why? Well, just like you preach accountability to your players and your coaches, demand it from your CBD supplier. Level Up CBD is where you will get that accountability. How? Well, it's simple. There's a QR code on every one of their products. You simply scan that code with your camera and boom, Level Up will let you know where your product was made along with everywhere it's been every step of the way until you start reaping the benefits personally. If that's not accountability, then I don't know what is. Trust me, after all of these years of being done with my body, whether it's as a player, a coach, a firefighter, doing jujitsu, or my big brisket back self doing a half marathon by the end of 2021 because Coach Flanagan said I couldn't, my body is an absolute wreck. Enter Level Up CBD. Me personally, I'm a 2,000 milligram citrus guy. I just place a couple of drops under the tongue and boom, I'm a new man. Not to mention that 1,000 milligram lotion that I throw on those sore muscles after a long run, like today. And it don't hurt, boys, when the missus asks for a little massage and you use some of that lotion. Bonus points at home. Try it for yourself. Go to levelup-cbd.com today. Let me say it for the people in the cheap seats. Levelup-cbd.com. One more time, can I get an amen? Levelup-cbd.com. That is your answer. And when you go, let them know you heard about it in the coach's lounge. When I was coaching at A&M, we had a guy on our staff that played at Nash, Nash, uh, Vanderbilt in Nashville and set a lot of passing records. Kurt Page was his name, heck of a football player. Well, he comes out of Vanderbilt didn't get drafted, didn't, nobody picked him up. So he goes to Canada. You talking about Drew going to Canada reminded me. So he goes to Canada, doesn't get an agent because, you know, it's just going to take money out of his pocket and he wasn't going to make that much anyway. So he goes up and negotiates his own deal and it's for like $60,000, which in, in that late eighties, you know, is okay. I mean, well, he didn't realize that. He thought it was sixty thousand U.S. Oh no! Boy. Yeah, it was sixty thousand Canadian, which is about half, I oh, think, no. at the time. Now, I don't know what it is now. He said, "He's I'm getting an agent from that. <laughs> even if it costs me a little, even if it costs me a little bit, it won't cost me fifty percent." <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll tell you why I'm here. Do you know what an open house is in school? Sure. Yep. Do you yeah. ever go to have your parents ever go to open house? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Your parents, I know, did. His parents were teachers, right? Yep. So 
My dad goes to an open house, and I'm a sophomore in high school in Cedar Rapids, Wash. And he comes home and he yells upstairs, Dick, get down here. And I went, oh, God. Well, you know, if you go to an open house and the teacher, you're in trouble, right? My dad came down. I came down the stairs and he said, uh, Dick, you're going to be a teacher and a coach. I said, what? I'm a sophomore in high school. I said, you're going to be a teacher and a coach. I said, Dad, what if I don't want to do that? He said, son, you're going to be a teacher and a coach. He said, you'll never want for a job. And that is yep. so true. He said, you, son, you can go anywhere in the country and get a job. And he said, that's what that's you're going to do. And so I kind of went, okay, I'm just a sophomore. So I went to my mom. I said, mom, help me out here. I don't know if I want to do that. She said, you better do what your daddy says. And that's just it. And I said, okay. I never so, thought about doing anything else. Yeah. It, yeah. Really? Because you're, up, you came I mean, I grew up in, like I said, grew up in a coach's house. But my dad that wasn't ever any. That's what I'm going to do. My dad was really old when I was born. He was in his 50s when I was born. So he lived through some really tough times mm -hmm. early on. So that was extremely important. Education and stability Security. with a yeah. job. And so he said, that's what you're going to do. And so that's how I got into it. What happened at that open house that that nothing? That? I thought, God, I was you know, you always go through everything. Did I do this right today? Did I do this? Did I do this? Did and he we, just happened to meet a coach there and talk no, he to met, him? No, he met a history teacher who's, I had to give a report and he said, you know, I spoke well. He said, this guy would be, and he loves athletics. He'd be a good teacher and a coach. And I started out this, don't tell anybody, but my salary was $5,700 when I started teaching. I was coaching and teaching. My dad's first salary as a coach, and my dad played ball at Tech. And he came out of Tech. He got drafted by the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> but- when it was time to go, my mom was pregnant with me, so he didn't feel comfortable about going to Green Bay, Wisconsin, and leaving her back in Texas. So he went, and in those days, I think his first salary was going to be like three thousand dollars for a, the Green as, Bay Packers. Yeah, to be a center for the Green Bay Packers. He he was a center in uh, college, and. Uh, so he decided to go into coaching. So went back to where he grew up in Bowie, Texas, and got a job as an assistant coach, coaching football, basketball, and baseball, teaching world history, making $3,300 a year. Got a $300 raise to not play pro football. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And, you know, with that $5,700, this is how good I was from a financial standpoint. You know, I had a minor in business. So I really learned a hell of a lot because I knew about investments. So I signed a contract for 5,700 bucks on like a Thursday. On Friday, I bought a new Mustang. On Saturday, I bought a house. On Sunday, I drove you back to- You spent all your money. I drove back to school and I went, how in the hell am I gonna pay for all this stuff? <laughs> so I had a beautiful red Mustang, nice. And I thought, I'm really good. I had that for a week <laughs> and I had to get rid of it. And I mean, the house I kept, but I mean, my God, I thought. Real financial yeah, genius. Well, you there, know, when you, you live without, you know, when you're going to school yeah. and, and back then you had scholarships, but the scholarships were work study programs where you had to sweep classrooms and be a custodian and all that. You got so much money doing that. And so, you know, so I mean, you bring money. up work study program. Yeah. 
Well, I didn't study. <laughs> no, no, I, I know. Brought up but I, in fact, I got I grad or my, after my freshman year, my GPA was a one one nine, and I got booted. And I got home and my from work in the summer, and my dad said, "Dick, you've really done it this time. Look at this letter. It said you cannot come back." So I had to go back in the spring and meet all these various professors and everybody and try to get back in school. Oh wow! And I started out in football. I was eighth team. I mean, we didn't have a backfield to work with. I just stood after you warm up. I just stood. I never touched the ball. <laughs> then all of a sudden I was seventh and then I was fifth. And then all these guys quit. And I just stayed out there. Finally, I could throw the football. I could handle it. Oh, I did. Yeah. I mean, you're going to hand it to you. Yeah. You know, here you are, ghost. You, well, you should have gone and got you some, lady, some it, yeah. guys off the street and said, hey, oh, could you my, just come? I thought about Would you it. just come over and let me hand the well, ball can you off? Imagine people you come. money left to buy oh, here. I know it. <laughs> People would come out and say, what's wrong with that kid? He must really suck. He just stands there. And I'm going, yeah, I did. So, and eventually, you know, it all worked out. But my God. So that was hard. But I graduated with a 257. I was real close to the Dean's list. Real close. Real close. So your your work study deal. Oh, yeah. A friend of ours used to coach at a small college up in Oklahoma. He was the head coach. And he had... He bring all these guys in every year, big numbers in the fall, you know, recruiting, get them in there. And in the spring, he would get them up early in the morning, like 5 a.m. and get them on the goal line and run the shit out of them just to see who would stay and who would go and who would, you know, get uncomfortable and quit. Well, he was also putting these kids in work study programs everywhere and he says i went way over my limit let's like, just clarify you just gave the air quotes yeah when, when you said work study yeah. I Works, sure that- well it's like get them jobs yeah, yeah I mean, he's actually getting them jobs okay okay i mean really worse but there's you're supposed to be a limit on how many you can do gotcha just back then anyway gotcha. I, I haven't kept up with it don't know what it is sure. now but he knew he had gone over the quota allowed and he's always worried about God, if they ever find out I'm, my ass is probably going to the penitentiary. So he comes in his office one day and his secretary sitting there and he said she is like her her complexion is like a piece of paper, just so white. And she's like big eyed. And he looked at her and goes, are you OK? No, there's an FBI agent in your office. He says, what? There's an FBI agent in your office. And he looked at her and went, we're going to the penitentiary. Oh, my God. <laughs> they found, they, they caught us. So he goes in, introduces himself. The FBI guy introduces himself and says, you have a guy on your team named Jim Smith, whatever. I don't know. It's, I don't remember the guy's yeah. name. Just, you know, Joe Blow, whatever. Yeah. And our, our friend goes, well, yeah, I do. He's he's a big old blonde, curly-headed kid, plays safety for us. And the FBI agent goes, can you back off of him a little bit of all the running and stuff? And our friend goes, what are you talking about? He goes, I just need you to back off from him a little oh, bit. What? He said, what? He, that's an FBI undercover agent. Oh, and, no. And, and he's about to quit football and the FBI <laughs> if you don't quit running his ass off. 
<laughs> I didn't see that one coming at all. He goes, we we got him here because this school is a direct pipeline from Mexico to Chicago. Oh no! And he goes, he's about to quit both. <laughs> we don't need him quitting. Wow. He says, okay. I'll, okay, I'll back off from it. <laughs> the other thing with with coaches is they are notorious pranksters. It, things get a little heated during the season, right? And and jokes are played. Emotions kind of messed with a little bit. Have you guys ever seen any crazy stuff that uh, Yeah, we did one in Conroe that was very <laughs> inappropriate. Very, Great. Very inappropriate. So we had a swim coach from Detroit. And you gotta talk like this when you talk to him. It's how you sound. <laughs> Seriously. And uh he was always pulling pranks on other coaches. And he would go around to the like the coaches' parking lot and find coaches' cars that were unlocked. He would go in and turn the radio all the way up. Oh no. Turn your windshield wipers on. He'd turn everything <laughs> on he could turn on. So that when you got in the car and turned cranked it up, everything just rah, you know, start going. <laughs> he was always doing shit like that. So this was in the 80s. So one of the coaches there had a friend that was a doctor in town and went over and talked him out of a piece of his letterhead, you know, and went back and typed up a letter saying that it's come to our attention that you've come in contact with the AIDS virus. <laughs> and he's a real fan, you know, real full. Real typed up and everything. It's imperative that you contact us immediately. Uh, we got to get talk about who you had contact, all this stuff, and put it in. A, got an envelope too. Got the whole thing. Mailed it to him. Actually, I think they gave it to him. Somehow they gave it to him at school or something instead of mailing it because they wanted to see his reaction <laughs> yeah. when he opened it. So he opens the letter and reads it and said, "He's just kind of just this." blank expression and you know and he folds it up and puts it back in the envelope <laughs> they're at an in-service deal I think and, and a couple of minutes later he gets it back out and opens it and reads it again <laughs> folds it back up puts it in the envelope he did that about four times <laughs> got like you know the next time it's going to say something different <laughs> you know just keep reading and it'll change <laughs> So they take a break. He goes out to the training room and shows it to our trainer. Well, our trainer immediately knew that it was bullshit because he knew the doctor. And, uh, and he says, you better lay down. He, he tells the swim coach, you, you better lay down for me. You, you don't look good. Let me take your blood pressure. So he takes his blood pressure and is like through the roof. I mean, sure. So he, he says, I'm going to be, I'll be right back. He walks over to our coach's office. We were in. And he walks in the door and says, "All right, you assholes. <laughs> it's pretty damn funny, but somebody better come tell the man because he's fixing that. His heart's fixing to explode. Oh, no. His blood pressure is like he can't even measure it. So somebody go over there and tell him. So, of course, 
no one person was going to go over there. We all, we all went over there. Hey, dude, we were just jacking with you. You're, you don't really have it. <laughs> You're lucky you don't have cell phone cameras that then so they can record that. Well, he got every, he got one of them back. So he, he, one of them had a Volkswagen. It's the old standard old Volkswagen from years. And he went and got a bunch of his swimmers and they moved that Volkswagen over behind a track shed <laughs> and between some bushes where you could barely see it. That's a big, that's some strong swimmers. And well, it was a bunch of them. But yeah. They moved that car because now the coach thinks his car has been stolen. He's called the police, the police coming out and doing reports and all this stuff. And our swim coach is over. <laughs> 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 you know, he, he goes about three days and finally goes, Hey, asshole, your car's right over there. <laughs> <laughs> this is a guy that would, you know, swim coaches get up early, right? Yeah. I mean, swim practice is at like yeah. 5 a.m. or some stupid. It's crazy. Right with the cross country guys, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cross country. So, Can you imagine that? No. So huh. he would get in his car and drive over to his best friend's house, who was the assistant baseball coach and coached freshman football. He would, of course, if practice started at five, right? Well, he's pulling in his friend's driveway at 430. And he would pull up into the driveway as far as he could and start honking the horn oh, no. until the, his friend's dog started yapping. I mean, like <laughs> loud. And then he'd just put it in reverse and back out and go to work. <laughs> you know his neighbors love He would him. get in there and just, ah, 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 ah. and then he'd pull out, go to work. So that guy had a key to the swim coach's house. And he would always ask that guy to go, water his plants or stuff when he'd go back to Detroit. So one year they decided to go over to the swim coach's house while he was in Detroit, drink beer and watch TV. Now you got to understand the swim coach was very anal about his house. I mean, everything was immaculate, perfect. No, nothing out of place. I mean, like seriously, Something wrong with him. It's immaculate. I never understood that analogy, anal. Yeah, I didn't either. To be an, I mean, I know. Oh, come on, an anus. But anyway, I mean, anal. So they, I, I don't understand. So that, they right? decide. Let's talk this out. Yeah, God, go ahead. <laughs> so, I, so I didn't mean to interrupt. So like, this is process. When somebody this. is anal, my God, what the hell? I mean, <laughs> anal and anus. <laughs> So he's an asshole. Is that correct? <laughs> okay. So they are over there drinking beer and watching, you know, college games, and they leave beer cans laying everywhere. I mean, maybe three or four cases of beer cans laying on the floor, on the cabinets, in the kitchen. Just and he come back from Detroit, and he call his buddy, "Hey, you asshole." <laughs> Get over here and clean my house. I don't, know, I don't know what you're talking about. I want my key back. <laughs> so, so one year, the swimmers decided to play a joke on the swim coach while he was gone. And they got over to his house and thought, and, and somehow they got in a window or something. And they moved everything he owned in that house to the furthest back 
bedroom. Oh my god! I'm talking. They took every dish, every knife, and fork and spoon out of the drawers. Everything. If you walked in the door, it looked like it was an empty home for sale. Wow! Right. So the baseball coach goes over there while his buddies in Detroit. He's going to go over and water the plants and to you know just kind of check on things. And he goes opens the door and everything's gone. And he just like, oh shit, shuts the door, locks it, leaves. Like he got broken, he got robbed. So a couple of days later, the swim coach gets home. He goes in, opens the door, everything's gone, right? He goes to the phone, hey asshole, where's all my stuff? <laughs> he goes, dude, I swear I don't know. I I don't know what's going on. I, it's all gone. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and finally he hangs up. And he walks to start, he's walking around looking and he finally goes to the very back bedroom. Everything, furniture, the work piled, the refrigerator unplugged, oh rolled in there, all of it, all of it. Moved you got so he, of course, he accuses his baseball coach, Buddy, as the ringleader of this thing. And he had nothing to do with it. So these, these women... These swimmers are looking like geniuses then. Oh. They, they got both of them. We had an outdoor pool there at Conroe. And, of course, in the wintertime, when it gets cold, yeah. and they still got to go swim practice. Well, he, the heater didn't work in the pool. So one year on his his equipment requisition, he requ he requested hockey sticks and ice skates. He says, we're not going to ever heat this pool. I may as well get, put it to good use. What about you, Coach? You got any good uh Oh, no, there's nothing. I don't know anything. I'm, no. I'm sure you we, don't. <clears throat> the one that was really, really funny that we thought was uh, we had a, a guy that came from Iowa. He played at Upper Iowa, which is. <laughs> is that uh, like UI? No. Yes. Upper Iowa. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> and people always used to, instead of saying Upper Iowa, they, they say, where do you play it? Up at Iowa. Which up at yeah, Iowa, yeah, up but it's Iowa. upper Iowa. And he had a buddy named Larry who was a baseball player. And then they would play that summer and throw baseball. So he really loved baseball. And he came from Iowa down here like I did. And he was on our staff at Ike. And I mean, he had a picture of Larry and he had all his paraphernalia about, you know, Larry and the baseball and all that stuff. So while he was in class, my coordinator thought it would be a great idea. So we stole all of his stuff. And we hit it. Well, this guy was never going to find it wherever we put it. And he went nuts looking for everything. So we didn't say a thing. The next day when he came back, we had some of those old baseball shoes that are all black. You ever seen? I mean, just totally low cuts, total black ones, big ones. We had those hanging from the ceiling along with a ransom note. <laughs> If you ever want to see Larry again and all of the paraphernalia, <laughs> you know, we said we wanted this, this, and this plus music piped in the field house from the natural. <laughs> so he thought, okay, you know, so now he's all over our ass. We're denying it to the end. But eventually, you know, we would bring a piece back at a time and put it on his desk. You know, and after a while, this stuff kind of gets, uh, we better stop doing it. But he was a guy that, Let's just say this. See the ice that's in my drink right now? He would save that and put it in his refrigerator. He was so frivolous 
and we just said cheap. Friggle? He never, frugal, yeah. you mean? Frugal? Frugal, frugal that's me. Frivolous? frivolous? Yeah, I was being anal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, you were. But he, uh, yeah, he would, he would not spend anything, and he was a good guy, and we got him there, and then we also got him because he had a mustache, and we said that the district had a policy with no facial hair, and he went crazy on that one. He went to our AD, talked to the principal, talked to the AD, and the AD finally called, what the hell are you guys telling this guy? We said no facial hair. He wanted to quit. He couldn't shave. For some reason, he was really proud of that little mustache, but I mean, those are some of the things. The things that happen are just kind of spontaneous, you know? They they really, and, I mean, and they, most of this stuff's not planned. No, it just, just kinda, happens. Hey, you kind of all said, this would be a good idea. <laughs> And then you know, sometimes it's not, not really good. <laughs> sometimes it is. <laughs> but we had, respect. you know, what we always did was on Wednesday, we had the table of truth. And uh, we'd go to a place that was called the Marina in Baytown. And that's where we'd have a few beers and so on. And some of the guys would come in. And uh, Haynes was big at that. But uh, they would come in and we had people, Mexon and Plants and all that. They came in and they loved the coaches. And we would sit around, drink beer, shoot pool. And the only rule was it's a table of truth. So you have to tell the truth if somebody asks you. And the one thing that everybody wanted to know was how old I was. And I would never tell them. And so that really. I thought it was the bothered. table of truth. So it's it a was. table of convenient truth. Table of truth. But Absolutely. Since, since they ask, I would, I would say, look, we'll talk about that next week. And I would keep putting them off all the time. But we had such a great time there. You know, drinking beer, laughing. And that's where we always went because on Wednesday, everything is done. What a good idea. Thursday. Yeah. And then when I went to Louisville, I wanted to buy a boat. I never had a boat. And there's Lake Louisville. So I bought a pontoon. So we're out there and we have now the boat of truth. So we would go out there on Wednesday night and we'd go float on the water and drink. And uh, we had one kid that was that played for us at Lee, outstanding football player. You know, he went to Rice, and then uh, he was a hell of a player, really good player. And he was coaching for us, and he jumped in the water. And he didn't come up right away. And I thought, oh, this is great. Here we are out on the boat of truth. Everybody is slightly inebriated. And here's this coach underwater going to drown. Finally, he pops up, and he starts swimming like this. He doesn't have a clue as to what the hell he's doing. Dick, they don't. They can't see yeah, you on the radio. It's like he's paddling. He's flailing like a tremendously huge fat person walking. Yeah, basically. And we we said, no, that's it. The next time you jump in the water out here, you're fired. Don't do it. And so then we get back. And my son, we're talking about how long people spend in school. And this is my... Other, my oldest son, that was Lake Drew's brother, he, uh, we're sitting there and we're talking about how long we were in school. And for me, I was, I had a red shirt year at UNI before it was popular because I got kicked out. So that didn't count. So I got the, so I was on the five year plan before anybody else was. And, and then Another everybody, trailblazer. yeah, they are, they all said, look at that. That's a pretty good idea. <laughs> So my son, we took him to Texas State. And at that time, it was Southwest. Southwest. Texas, right? Yeah. Drove him up there. And I'm telling you what, there are two, 300 beautiful girls laying out on the water. 
And I turned to my wife. I said, he'll be home at the semester. There is no way he's going to make it. And uh, I mean, it was a cheerleading camp and all this other stuff. And I mean, there were beautiful young girls out there. We go to that orientation period. Kids that were fresh and beautiful girls again. I said, no way. He ain't going to make it. (laughs) And so we're telling this story on the boat of truth. And I said, I was wrong. I said, he did make it. In fact, he made it for seven years. (laughs) And he said, bullshit, dad, that's not true. He said, I got out in six and a half. I said, no, it's seven. I said, you got to count summer school as well. Seven years, son. No, I did not. I said, you should have a PhD after seven years. And he didn't. So we're out there in the boat of truth talking about this stuff and laughing. But those are the things that, you know, it's fun. That's when you miss the camaraderie. You miss all of that good stuff. And there are so many things that happened during your lifetime on the field, off the field. And Haynes, speaking of lovely Larry, <laughs> who's now coaching junior high. In Is he really? Yeah. I thought he was a Harden. No, he he got reassigned at Harden. And, uh, Second or third time. Yeah, I think. And so <laughs> he's coaching junior high. But yeah. But when Drew, my son, was playing at Iowa, I would I would fly out at five. Yeah. I know. Hey, he called me up the other day. He said, God, this sucks. And I said, Larry, you really like junior high? And he said, oh, my God. No. Okay, so anybody that doesn't know who this gentleman is, why is this so funny? Well, Larry was a head football coach. For a long time. Yeah, and very successful. He was at Clear Lake. He was at Crosby. Kevin, I think you were his assistant, right? Well, he, he coached me in high school oh, my then, senior year. Yeah. And at, then my first job, he gave me my first job at Clear Lake. Yeah. And then I actually hired him at Westbrook. Okay. After he probably right, got after everything. Yeah, he was at Martin then. Yeah. And then he came to you. <laughs> but he, he was at Crosby and did a good job at Crosby. And uh, that's a good story, too, about his son and, my, and Brian Johnson. But he was at Crosby, and then he took the job at Ike. And so he goes to Eisenhower, and um, <laughs> they had what was that test called uh, that they gave you? Star test, star or, or whatever it was. Yeah, test, whatever. Yeah, Texas. Larry was supposed to be an administrator, <laughs> and uh, he never went to the training. And the woman would come down to meet with him. He said, "I can't tell you, talk to you now." He said, "I'm going to coach." And so he'd go out in the field, and this woman would stand there and wait for him. And she said, "Is this a good time?" And he said, "No." I can't talk to you now. He said, I got to go look at film, take care of my kids. So then they said, you're going to have to meet. The principal said, meet with this person and get this done. So Larry did. Well, then in his infinite wisdom, Larry called in sick and never went to the (laughs) test. So needless to say, he got reassigned, you know. And so he there's his office was a closet that was a custodial office. They had all their equipment in there and they cleaned it out. It was over at Campbell Center. They cleaned it out, moved the desk in, put a phone in there and told Larry to find a job. So he's calling around and he calls me and he said, do you have any jobs? I said, yeah, we got a job. I said, great. I said, you want to come work for us? And he goes, hell yes. So he came with us and he was with us two years. Okay. But he always would tell stories about how good he was back in the day. And he played at Lamar. Okay. And at the time, Lamar, you know, they they stopped football, if you know that or not. They quit football. 
And so what we hey, would Larry, do, you're, you're the one that calls them to yeah, drive. We would, <laughs> on, on Sunday, we would get this, this, this papers and we started looking at scores. You know, well, oh, one of my old line guys played at UTEP. I played at Northern Ireland. <clears throat> we had some other guys play around. We're checking all the scores and we're going, Larry, there's, there's no Lamar score. Where, where is your Lamar score? Well, Oh, that's right. You're the one that killed their program. <laughs> so, so anyway, it, he's a heck of a coach. He really is. Great coach, great offensive mind. And my son was a quarterback at Iowa. So I would fly out every morning or Saturday morning at 530, go watch him play. Then I would fly back. I said, I'm not going to miss that. So, you know, I got to see all these great stadiums, watch all this, all these games, Big Ten. It was fantastic. And I come back on Sunday and I go through the video and all that stuff and talk to him and everything else. We're getting ready to play North Shore in the playoffs. So I come back, you know, the coaches come in and I usually got back in the office around 9, 30, 10 o'clock Sunday morning. And uh, I drive right from the airport to my office. I get there and I open it up and there are these coaches and they're talking. And I said, well, let's look at the game plan. And up on the board here, Haynes has offensive goals. Goal number one was make a first down. <laughs> one. That was goal one. And I said, okay. And goal two, try to outscore their defense. I went, what? <laughs> and number three, try not to get any of our young kids hurt that are coming back <laughs> next year. I said. One's graduating. Out of I said, what? What the hell? Are these guys that good? And he said, oh, they're going to pound us. And his his big expression was, they're going to beat the cum out of us. That's what I used to say. And I'd go, Larry, I said, they're not that good. And he said, oh, yeah, they're that good. Well, you know, we end up, our quarterback was Jeremy Moses, who, who won the uh, Walter Payton Award at Stephen F. Austin, set all kinds of FCS passing records. He threw for like 450 yards against North Shore, and we lose 35-34 because we miss the extra point. Wow. And during the game, you know, I told my coach or the, some of the guys I, that we would meet and all that stuff, like for that touchdown club and things, I told those coaches, I said, I don't do anything. I said, my coaches do everything. I said, this is the best year I've ever had. Haynes is calling plays along with Clint Riley. Cedric Cormier was on my staff, who's a new OC at HBU. I said, they put together the game plans, they run it. Well, those assholes all had wagers as to when I would take over because I call plays my whole life. And this is the first year I'm not involved. So they had wagers and I didn't do a thing. I would go to practice, watch it, drink a little coffee and go, hey, good job. That's a hell of a play. <laughs> and they, we did a great job. And Haynes had them moving up and down and everything else. And the only reason we lost was because we, we just missed the extra point. Damn we ran kickers. out of time. Yeah. And well, the then kick who was kicking? Who was coaching the, the kickers? Haynes. Dick. Oh, oh, okay. No, okay. I, didn't no, coach, you no sure. I didn't coach anything. Yeah. But I just stood and watched. <laughs> And during the game, here we are playing North Shore, and I have my phone, and it's buzzing. And I thought, what the hell? So I take my phone off, and it's Creech. He's up in the press box watching the game, and he's on the phone. He goes, first of all, I can't believe you answered. Yes. Secondly, yes. he says, you really don't do shit. Do you? <laughs> and I said, no, I don't. I said, this is great.
I enjoyed that. Oh, hell yes. I said, I should have been doing this a long time ago. Man, was that fun. Make sure you click on that subscribe button because when episode two drops, which will be part two of this one next week, you'll be one of the first ones to hear it. Trust me when I tell you that Coach Massey and Coach Olin, they only get better with their stories. And there's a reason why Dick Olin is named Tricky Dick. And it'll come out. And there's amazing stories that we haven't even scratched the surface with these guys. It's so much fun to do this, but I think one of the best parts about it from Coach Flanagan and I's perspective is that there's really nobody that this isn't for. Everybody can appreciate a good story, not just coaches. It just happens to be that these are coming from coaches, but they're not specifically about football. They're about life. They're about just fun stories in general that even if you're not a coach, you can appreciate. So make sure you share with your friends. Make sure you share with your family. Click on that subscribe button, comment, share, tell everybody you know about it because this is for you guys. This isn't for us. We just happen to be in the lucky seat, but this is for you guys. And also hit us up on Twitter at Real Coach Lounge. Let us know what you think about it. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. Until next time, take care, guys.